Rejection stings for everyone, but for highly rejection-sensitive people, it can be a real showstopper. Today, let's talk about a few surprising things about rejection and how it can affect us. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Remember the first time you asked someone out? Whether it was in middle school or well into adulthood, I bet it was at least a little bit nerve-wracking. What if they say no? Worse, what if they make fun of you or show pity? What if they make it seem like it was ridiculous even for you to ask? These hypothetical nightmare scenarios make even the bravest of us fear rejection. But in general, we don't walk around expecting people to reject us. We're also not constantly on the lookout for clues that rejection is about to happen. But for some people, rejection appears to be around every corner. They anxiously expect, readily perceive, and intensely react to rejection or possible rejection. Psychologists call this high rejection sensitivity. Rejection sensitivity might seem like a phase that all middle schoolers go through as they awkwardly navigate puberty, trying to figure out more adult-like social relationships. But turns out it can happen to people of all ages. And it's not the same thing as being just a little shy or emotionally sensitive. There are specific ways that our brains and bodies behave when we're highly sensitive to rejection, and there are often very real consequences. So let's talk about what neuroscientists and psychologists have learned about rejection sensitivity, including some clues into how to maybe get over it or get out from under it. So first thing to know is that your body and brain physically manifest rejection sensitivity. Like every psychological phenomenon, rejection sensitivity has a place in the brain. What might surprise you is how much and how specifically it takes on shape in our biology. So first of all, everyone's brain responds to rejection. During a brain imaging study, participants' emotion processing brain areas were activated when they looked at pictures showing rejection, compared to when they looked at pictures showing acceptance or just random abstract shapes. The brains of participants with high rejection sensitivity didn't activate the cognitive control areas as much as their peers. It's not that the brains of less rejection-sensitive people were immune to rejection cues, it's just that they were better able to regulate those cues and keep them from running rampant in the brain. For rejection-sensitive people, it's not just that their brains respond more to unpleasantness in general. It's rejection specifically that lights up those neural fireworks. A different brain imaging study showed that only pictures of disapproving faces and not of angry or disgusted faces activated their emotional threat-processing brain areas. And then when it comes to the body, we can see that highly sensitive people are physically more on the lookout for rejection too. In another study, people also looked at pictures, some of which showed rejection scenes, and then they got puffs of air in their eyes to see how much they startled. Highly rejection-sensitive people startled more 
right after viewing rejection images. So this shows that the idea of rejection makes our bodies automatically shift into a higher defensive mode. So we know that rejection sensitivity very much activates the body for defense. And we also know that it's associated with more than just social anxiety. So when we think of people who are sensitive to rejection, we probably think of someone who's socially anxious, perhaps someone who is shy, afraid of public speaking, or nervous about making the first move in social situations. And rejection sensitivity is indeed associated with social anxiety. Now, it may be less obvious that rejection sensitivity is also more common among people who have other psychological disorders, including eating disorders, body dysmorphia, ADHD, borderline personality disorder, and impulse control disorders like online gaming addiction. This doesn't mean, obviously, that someone with high rejection sensitivity necessarily has these disorders. It's just that among those who do experience these issues, rejection sensitivity seems to play a role. For example, if someone is already socially anxious, their level of rejection sensitivity can drive their irrational thoughts about their body. Now, these thoughts can snowball and become severe enough that they end up being body dysmorphic disorder. So then how does this play out in daily life? Well, another thing we know about rejection sensitivity is that it feeds a vicious cycle that makes you actually more rejected. So that's the toughest thing about rejection sensitivity. It feeds itself. Think about this. If someone is always on the lookout for rejection and has a bigger physical and emotional reaction to rejection cues, they're more likely to be tense, defensive, sad, angry, or withdrawn. Would you rather hang out with someone like this or with someone more relaxed and more able to have fun? This is a vicious cycle that highly rejection-sensitive people find themselves in. The more they're sensitive, the more they elicit actual rejection from others. And that fulfills their rejection prophecy and leads to more rejection sensitivity. One study tested this vicious cycle hypothesis. The researchers found that among couples, relationships involving highly rejection-sensitive people were more likely to have broken up a year later. They also found that rejection-sensitive women specifically engage in more negative behaviors after a relationship conflict, such as being hostile, denying responsibility, putting their partner down, or making negative assumptions about their partner. Their partners, in turn, become angrier than the partners of women who are low on rejection sensitivity. This shows how conflict can more easily escalate if one partner is sensitive to rejection. So for men, it can actually drive violence. Women are not the only ones who can be highly sensitive to rejection and affected by it in a relationship but men might respond to it differently. Men who are sensitive to rejection may try to protect themselves, knowingly or not, in two ways. Either they withdraw and become less invested in relationships, so they become less vulnerable to rejection, as in, I don't care if he or she doesn't like me. Or they become more invested in finding a partner and keeping them attached, as in, I'll work hard not to let them reject me. 
One study involving male college students found that, among those who are sensitive to rejection, low investment in relationships predicted being more withdrawn and avoidant, which is not surprising. But those who are both highly rejection-sensitive and highly invested in relationships were more likely to engage in dating violence. Of course, not all rejection-sensitive men who are involved in their partners commit relationship violence. But rejection sensitivity could be one piece of the puzzle explaining why some men are controlling or aggressive towards their partners. So now we can see that rejection sensitivity is actually no small deal. It can really affect us physically, emotionally, in terms of our relationships, and that it kind of drives its own vicious cycle. So let's end on a more hopeful note and talk about how we might be able to overcome rejection sensitivity. And that's the last topic that we'll talk about today, which is learning to delay gratification and become mindful might help to ease the rejection sensitivity cycle. One study of children found that even for those who are highly sensitive to rejection, their ability to delay gratification protected them from the detrimental effects of the sensitivity 20 years later. The children showed their ability to delay gratification by turning down one marshmallow now to get two marshmallows later. Perhaps if we adults practiced this type of self-control, we can work the muscles in the brain areas that activate to regulate emotional impulses. Also, practicing mindfulness, the state of paying attention to the here and now, might also help. Research has shown that rejection sensitivity makes people more easily distracted by potential rejection cues, which may add to the vicious rejection sensitivity cycle. Now, purposely working on tuning into the present moment without judgment might help to break that cycle. And both mindfulness and emotional regulation skills can be learned in therapy. So this is something that if you are interested in learning, you should see if someone in your area could help you work on these. And you can go in and saying, maybe I'm a little bit rejection sensitive. I would like to learn how to regulate my emotions. I would like to learn how to be more presently focused. And if you do that, I wish you the best of luck. For everyone else, let me know what else you'd like to learn about emotion regulation, rejection, and mindfulness, and any other psychological topics that are of interest to you. You can reach me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDT Savvy Psych and at Jade Wu PhD. If you'd like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. You can also make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, 
where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.